So over 20 years ago, my spouse and I left our home in the San Francisco Bay Area, the only place I've ever known as home, in our little two-door black 1992 Honda Civic, filled with camping gear and maps, because we didn't have smartphones then, for a two-week adventure driving across the United States before beginning our lives as graduate students. Our itinerary included many national parks, so after stopping by Yosemite and marveling at the granite peaks, lush waterfalls, we continued driving east over the mountain ranges. After chugging up a particularly steep incline, we pulled over to get a view of the valley that lay beneath us. This was not just any valley. It was the infamous Death Valley, which has the lowest point in North America at 282 feet below sea level. Numerous road markers warned us about the lack of any service stations, water, or even help if we chose to make the descent into the valley. A barren and dry land with nothing but intense heat waves lay ahead, and it was made clear that we continued on at our own risk. When all the signs say danger, and the place itself has death in its name, it makes you pause. I didn't actually want to go down, but Mark convinced me that it did make sense to go all the way around. So down we went. And as we made our long way down into the valley and then across the basin, we could hear the car struggling as it worked harder and harder. So we turned off the air conditioning, not a minor thing since it was 115 degrees. Everywhere we looked, the ground was cracked and it lay in these jagged, uprooted shards. I think I held my breath the whole way and only exhaled when we finally got to the other side and began our ascent out of the valley through surrounding towns which were called Badwater and Furnace Creek, names that said it all. This was not a place for the living. Today's scripture reading from the prophet Ezekiel recalls a similar valley. 2,500 years ago, the people of Israel lived in exile, far away from their home and scattered about the Babylonian region. Cut off from their ancestral roots and crushed by a foreign power, they had endured a long season of suffering, and their outlook was bleak. One can imagine that the Israelites experienced such hardships that they named their new homes Badwater, Furnace Creek. They no longer had any hope that things would ever change. It is in this setting that Ezekiel receives a startling vision from God. The Spirit of the Lord brings him into a valley that is full of bones. Not just like a skeleton here and there, but a vast array of bones covering the whole area, piled so deep that one could not even see what lay beneath them. The ghastliness is not in the blood and gore, because in fact, there isn't any. The real shock is in how clean and dry the bones are. What this indicated was a multitude of people who had not only died, but they were also left without a proper burial, so that scavengers had picked their bones clean, and then the relentless sun had dried them up even more. This place truly deserved the name Death Valley. But God tells Ezekiel 
that these bones are the house of Israel. This vivid image illustrates how the people feel and what they believe about their own situation. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. After years of languishing in exile, the Israelites are depressed. They have given up in despair. They do not see any future, and they have been sucked dry of any hopes and dreams that they will be restored to their land. This past Monday, there was a report release. Does anybody know what it was? The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is a group of experts, scientists from around the world, it's convened by the United Nations, they released a major new report. Anyone guess what it said? You probably already know. It was pretty depressing and included a dire warning. Earth is likely to cross a critical threshold for global warming within the next decade, 2030, and nations will need to make an immediate and drastic shift away from fossil fuels to prevent the planet from overheating dangerously beyond that level. They released that on Monday. The Daily Show, they posted a video about the report that Monday, saying everyone would forget about it by Thursday. I confess, by the end of the week, I had forgotten about it. Between the past few years of COVID, and the litany of natural and human-made disasters that increases with every browser refresh. Death has played an outsized role to the point that it sometimes feels like it's just background noise. It does not really register. I do not think our bodies were meant to hold all that grief and violence that the 24-7 news cycle serves up on a daily, hourly, even minute-to-minute basis. So brought before a valley filled with piles and piles of bones, we become numb in understandable self-defense. And when faced with the question, can these bones live? It is hard to muster more than a shrug of the shoulders. That kind of hope, it seems a bit naive, destined for disappointment. Looking at the scripture passage, we see that Ezekiel, a faithful prophet, also had doubts about the possibility of restoration. When God asks Ezekiel if the bones can live, he responds dubiously. Oh, Lord God, you know. But then God tells Ezekiel to prophesy the bones back to life. And so he does. And the bones start rattling and then flying together, forming full skeletons. Sinews grow to connect them right before his eyes, followed by flesh and skin covering them up. And as astonishing as it all is, Ezekiel cannot help but notice that the bodies are still lifeless, without any breath. Perhaps like the Israelites who had been deflated from any hope and were like bodies moving without any purpose. And so God instructs Ezekiel to call breath into the bodies. Now the word here for breath is ruach. That's the Hebrew. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but that's close enough, I think. Ruach, which can be translated as wind or spirit. It is the same ruach, the breath of life, that we find God breathing into the nostrils of Adam in the book of Genesis. It is a reminder of God's promises to her people, that she who so tenderly created their bodies, each bone, muscle, and tissue, would also breathe her spirit into them. They would be restored. 
As we survey the landscape, we see a lot of places that could be named Bad Water, Furnace Creek, piles of bones littered about. In some ways, it feels like we have all been collectively holding our breath over the past few years, each day waiting for the other shoe to drop, embracing ourselves for the next terrible thing. This is a difficult way to live. We cannot sustain it. It is hard to fully live and hope when you are not breathing. What this vision from Ezekiel reminds us is that God promises to put Ruach within us, to breathe her spirit into our nostrils so that we come to full life. In fact, she is blowing her spirit into all of creation, including the valleys full of dried bones and parched earth to bring full restoration. Do we doubt it? Like Ezekiel? Certainly it is understandable if we feel reluctant to believe that this could be true. But perhaps this is because our vision is limited, and I do mean that quite literally. Have any of you read An Immense World? Put it on your list. Ed Young, scientific journalist in his book An Immense World, just came out six, seven months ago, reveals the vast amount of information that humans are not able to as he describes the sensing ability, abilities of other animals and creatures. So explaining that each insect or amphibian or mammal or animal, he describes many of these creatures, that each of them have a unique sensory level through which it perceives the world. And he invites us to step beyond our own biases to consider how much we experience, how much we miss experiencing because of our limited sensory abilities. So for example, some of you already may know those green sea turtles can perceive Earth's magnetic fields, something we can't do. And they can use that sensing to find their way back to their nesting grounds. Cows. Cows can see in front of them, to the side, and in back, all at the same time, which I can't even comprehend, without moving their heads. And you think they're just standing there without moving their head, they can actually see if you're standing behind them. There are dolphins. Dolphins can echolocate, which I think a lot of us know, not to just detect human bodies in the water, but did you know they can also echolocate to see your skeleton and your lungs and can tell if you are pregnant? Frog embryos. Frog embryos can feel the vibration of a predator and release an enzyme from their face that dissolves their casing so that they can hatch and escape. These are just a few of the many astounding examples which illuminate how much is going on all around us that we as humans are not able to perceive with our own senses. As we recognize God's handiwork in the vast array of building creation, I think it becomes easier to believe that she indeed also has a creative power to bring dry and dusty bones back to life. She who created the universe and all that is we realize that so much more is going on than we can perceive, so that while the news churns out headlines of bad things one after another, we also can lean into the truths that claim us. Like the sign that we received at the beginning of Lent, when our foreheads were smudged with ash, reminding us that from dust we have come, to dust we shall return. We know that that marker is God's promise to us. We 
humans whose bodies have been made up of the stardust from the heavens. We can feel that in our very bones, that that love carries us even beyond death. We breathe in her ruach and trust that all of creation will be restored. As the Lord says, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. Thanks be to God.